Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on December 23rd, 2012. Today's message is Singing with the Angels by Pastor Bob Cron, based on Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Good morning. If you would please stand with me and take out your bulletins and join me in the call to worship found on the first inside page of your bulletin. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I didn't see that uh, hidden subliminal song, so I jumped up a couple times. So, uh, um, Oh, I am anxious to be up here and, and uh, speak with you also, but uh, that was why I was uh, looked a little funny, maybe jumping up at the front for those of you that were wondering. Uh, it's good to be here with my church family again. It's always a privilege to be here, to uh, open God's Word and see what He has to say to us. Most of you don't know, but this is the third sermon that I have prepared over this last year to be here to speak to you. Uh, most of you don't know that because the first time was when Ryan injured his leg. Um, this year, last year, sometime in there anyways. Uh, anyways, he injured his leg and on Saturday he phoned me and he said, would you be prepared to come with a message in case I can't make it up because of the pain uh, or, I, or I can't speak? And I said, okay. So I, had a, I prepared a message and I was sitting uh, with you out there wondering whether I would be speaking or not. Maybe that said why I was just I was going to get up in case he came up again. So I was all prepared, and then he hobbled up and he sat on a chair and preached a wonderful message, and so I didn't speak at that time. The next time, he called me up and uh, on Saturday or Thursday, whatever, summertime in there, and he said, you know, Bob, we're uh, expecting a baby any time now, and if Katie goes into labor right in the middle of the service, I'm going to have to leave with her would you be prepared to preach just in case right before the message you see me walking out? And I said, yes, I will. So I had my message prepared, and I was sitting in the congregation here, and she didn't have her baby that day, so he got up and he preached. So this time, as I was walking up to the front, I was looking around expecting Ryan to jump out and beat me to the pulpit, which he didn't do. Um, so I'm here, and now you are stuck with me for the next few minutes as we look into God's Word and see what He has to say for us. Um, I think one of the things that I became famous for when I was uh, your pastor here many years ago was my jokes. Uh, infamous, famous, but I remember someone uh, talked with me and actually got an email from someone saying, 
I don't know this person that was in Ontario, and he emailed me, and he said, I really enjoyed the joke that you used on Sunday. I never said anything about the message, but he did mention this joke that I had shared in the service, and then it went down the line, and uh, away it went. So I thought, I, I better start off with some humor. I couldn't find anything that really fit the message, so this one is the closest I could come, and it's a story about a man who, who was called Rudolph the Red. I don't know. Do you know? You heard that one? I want to go there. When I was here, I used to always practice my jokes on the seniors on Wednesdays, and then depending on the response, I either used that one or something else on a Sunday. But I didn't. I don't have the privilege of doing that. So, but there was a man called Rudolph the Red, and he grew up in Russia. And in the early days, uh, Red Russia was the the name. So that's why he was nicknamed uh, Rudolph the Red. And he was uh, um, a weather forecaster. And he decided that uh, he would apply for a job in this city, which he got. And while he was there, he started predicting the weather. And this man was so good that for 10 years, he never, ever got the weather wrong. Whatever he said happened. And he'd say, tomorrow it's going to be like this, and it was like this. And in that, in that area where he lived, they'd been going through a drought. And it'd been five weeks, and they hadn't had any rain. And the drought was bad, it was hot, and everyone knew that this is going to be here for a long time. But at the end of his shift, just before he finished, he made the startling announcement. He said, tonight we're going to have rain and lots of it. And he got home, and his wife said, Rudolph, why did you say that? How could you say there's going to be thunderstorms and all this kind of stuff breaking out? He said, there isn't a cloud in the sky. It's hot. We have drought. There's no way that's going to happen. You can fry an egg on the sidewalk. You're going to ruin your perfect record after all these years of being so perfect. Why did you do that? Well, the next day, everyone woke up, and it had poured and rained all night. Everything was drenched, and there was, it, it was just sopping wet. And his wife said, Rudolph, how did you know that it would rain? And he said to her, Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear. Okay, so some of you will groan, but I can bet that you're going to tell someone else <laughs> that joke sometime in the next week. I was asked to speak about the angel's song in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Uh, when I think of a song, I naturally think of music. When someone says, I'm going to sing this song, it's the music that starts to go around in my head. Not the actual words, because I'm not great on words and I do a lot of, you know, you, know, you just mumble along with them. But it's the music that catches me. And so I was wondering, uh, what would that song that the angels sang, what did it sound like? And I, I thought, I wonder if it would be maybe rap. I think they maybe rapped out the song, you know, as they were singing it. And I, I actually, at home, I practiced rapping it out. And I was going to do that for you, and then I'm, now I'm not. Uh, and then I thought, maybe it was country and western, and I sang it. I said, if this was country and western, what would it sound like? And I kind of twanged along, you know, in, in, in the way it would be, and I was going to sing that to you, and I'm not. And then I thought, probably it would be something like the Hallelujah Chorus, with a full orchestra. 
that's probably the way it was. And then when I heard the, the choir sing today, I thought probably Grant and the Blue Angels, you know, would have been the group that would have backed up part of this heavenly host, just the blending of all the music and how beautiful it was. And, and as I was thinking of all these different ways that this, this song could have been sung and presented and, and brought to these shepherds, I thought to myself, I am getting way off track. I spent over an hour thinking about how this music would have sounded, and I haven't even thought about the words. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And then I thought, what would it have been like back in the 70s and the 80s when all the worship wars were going on if we started focusing on the words instead of whether we like a certain style of music or not? And so I just read, let me read the story quickly again for you. You've uh, you had it read once, but let me read it again. This is the scene that is painted. And imagine in your mind, you're out there on the hillside, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, generic for mankind, and on whom his favor rests. That was an interpolation there. Uh, that doesn't really say, uh, well, like I said, generic for mankind. But that is the idea for all of mankind, for everyone. Well, let me identify the, the scene, the, the, the cast of characters who are there. There's not many. There's the shepherds. How many of you know a shepherd personally? Okay. How many of you, I did this, how many of you went looking in the want ads to see if there's any opportunity for a shepherd? You know, if you're looking for a job, how many of you have seen a job description for a shepherd? Okay, we don't. We, we don't really understand what it means to be shepherds these days. In fact, the only real shepherd that came the closest to being a real shepherd was in a Christmas play when I saw these kids dressed up, you know, in their father's wardrobes, you know, and in their bathrobes. That's about the closest I have come to seeing someone who might look like a shepherd. So they're a little bit uh, a strange kind of person. Now, in the Bible times, whenever you read about shepherds, they are not seen as the kind of people that, wow, this is a profession I really would like to have. If I could go to university, go to an agriculture college, and become a shepherd, by the end of my life, people would say, look at him. He, he was a shepherd. It is not something that was very desirable. In fact, in Genesis 46, 34, and I could read the whole story, but shepherds were called detestable. Not a very good occupation. Detestable. Sheep herders. Low pay, dirty conditions, cold, no extra compensation for working the graveyard shift or dangerous conditions, no overtime pay. 
you got the shepherds. Now, in contrast to the shepherds, you have the angels. They're beautiful. They're clean. Uh, they're not wearing their father's bathrobes. In fact, someone probably sewed by hand a beautiful white gown for them. Lots of glitter and bling. Shepherds get burlap. Angels get white, fluffy clouds. Shepherds get a stinky stable, and angels get the heavens to fly around in. Isn't that the picture that we have? Well, it's hard to find a shepherd these days. So if I've asked you, have you ever seen a shepherd? And you said, no. Have you ever seen an angel? Now, I would venture to say that there are some people here who have probably seen an angel. Maybe you didn't know it, and some of you knew it. But we don't like to talk about the supernatural too much, so we may not share it with anyone. When I was church planting in a small town called Wembley, Alberta, a group of us met on Sunday mornings for our service, and we had a very interesting group of people that met on, that, on, on Sunday mornings. One of the members' mothers was, uh, it used to, old days they used to call it a witch doctor, but now they call it a shaman or something like that. She was a lady who painted people's spirits, and they would pose for her and come to her house, and she would paint. And I saw some of the paintings that she had. They are some of the, the most horrific kind of spirit that she sees in people when she looks at them. Some of them were very beautiful, but most of them had this very ugly, dark side to them. Well, at one of the services I was preaching, and for some reason, I, I was mixed up in my words, my, my head wasn't thinking right, and I was, I was jumbling through it, and I was saying, why am I having such a hard time preaching this morning? Why can't I keep my thoughts together? And at the end of the service, uh, this person who was a member in our congregation, he said, uh, I'd like to introduce you to my mother. And he introduced me to his mother, who was this shaman. And after, he said she was probably trying to put a curse on you the whole time you were preaching. Just, I thought I'd let you know that. I was thinking, why didn't you tell me before I got up? Don't, don't tell me now after. But there was something evil. There was something cold. There was something that I just couldn't figure out. What is going on? Why am I having so much trouble? So I, I tell you that because, just to give you an idea of the kind of people that would gather with us on a Sunday morning. And maybe this explains what happened on another Sunday. Uh, somewhere around the middle of my message, uh, a young boy, about five years old, suddenly was alert and, and watching. And he just stared and stared. Now, I never picked all of this up. I noticed, you know, for a five-year-old to be listening to uh, a message from the front of the church and from a pulpit, that's not... That's why the kids go out. It's something that isn't within their comprehension usually because we do adult things at the time the preaching comes along. But this kid sat there. Uh, one of the things when you're church planting, you don't have the luxury of, of having a place where kids can actually go and, and have their own teacher. We all kind of are together in the one room. Um, so this, this kid is just watching the whole time he's there. And his mother uh, talked with him after the service and said, you know, I'm really proud of you. You spent the whole time just focused on the message, and I'm really proud of you. And you know what he said to his mother, and it blew me away. It got, gave me goosebumps when she told me this. She said, oh, I wasn't watching Pastor Bob. I was watching the angel. Now, I've never seen an angel, 
but he somehow was fascinated. He said there was an angel with its arms outstretched behind Pastor Bob the whole time he was talking. And if Pastor Bob moved over a little bit, the angel would take a step. Now, I did not know that. And I think if I had turned around and seen the angel, I would have been like the shepherds. I would have been terrified. I probably would have stopped talking. I probably wouldn't have known what to do. So I haven't seen an angel. When a five-year-old says that to his mom, I say there's some relevance in what this person is saying. And according to the Bible, angels are among us. We often don't see them, but they are there. So one of the things that I noticed, and this is something, and, and hopefully every now and then each Christmas we'll pick up something a little bit new that we never really understood before. The Christmas message is, is said over and over and over, and we sometimes tune it out and we click it off and say, okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I know exactly what's going to happen. But one of the things that, I, that, that hit me as I was preparing for this message was that the, not only did this angel appear, and that's, that's amazing in itself, that this angel appeared, but it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, an angel in itself doesn't have the glory of the Lord in that sense. So somehow in this very act of the birth of Jesus, God himself, his presence, his glory was there too. That's something that I, and I haven't really figured that all out, what that all means. But somehow the angel was there and the glory of the Lord. It wasn't the angel's glory. It was the glory of the Lord that was there. Now, I cannot conceive what that might have looked like. I've seen homes lit up at Christmas. Some of them brag they have 10 or 20,000 lights. That's great. And you see all this lights and it's, it's, it's amazing what's there. I've seen these kinds of things, but... To be in a place where the glory of the Lord shone so bright would be absolutely amazing. It'd be startling. It'd be terrifying. It'd be beautiful. It'd be overwhelming. All of these things going through the shepherds' minds at the same time. And then comes the message from the angel. And the angel says... I'll read from the uh, 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 translation called The Message. He says, don't be afraid. Pardon me, I said he. I'm not sure if the angel was a male or female. Uh, I don't know uh, whether it is. So excuse me if I use the word he now and then. It's just a, it's just a um, carryover of my chauvinist background, which I have rejected, and now I'm egalitarian, okay? So this angel. So the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that has meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. He is Christ the Lord. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. If ever there was a contradiction, it is here in the Christmas story. Do you know what an oxymoron is? I looked up the definition. That's more confusing than the word. It says, uh, a figure of speech by which the locution produces an incongruous, seemingly self-contradictory effect. 
Okay, that gobbledygook definition just means um, what you say doesn't go with what else you say. Like jumbo shrimp. You know, you have a shrimp, and then you have a jumbo one. Okay, see the difference? Look at those jumbo shrimp. Did you have shrimp? No, I had jumbo shrimp. You know, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. And the Christmas story is like this. It's a giant contradiction to everything that the world says is important. Power, prestige, fame, money. God says humbug to all of that. So at the feet of Jesus, the wise, the wealthy came to see him. And they became humble and generous. And the poor and disenfranchised and the... The, the, those that were basically afraid and were hiding in the hills with their with their uh, sheep because they're not orators, all of a sudden they go to the feet of Jesus and they become bold. And it says that they began telling everyone what they had seen. What a message that the wealthy and powerful become humble and generous and those that are afraid become bold. That's an oxymoron. That's a contradiction. That doesn't normally happen, but it does. When you come to the feet of Jesus to worship him, and it transforms you. And to the lowliest on earth who are struggling, God says, peace on earth, goodwill to mankind upon whom my favor rests. Again, think of the shepherds, totally unprepared for the message. Think of Mary, totally unprepared for the message that she will give birth to the Savior of the world. Again, isn't that like Christmas? Surprise! You imagine the angels showing up, the shepherds. Oh yeah, how are you doing there? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing? Oh yeah, good. How's your sheep? My sheep's good. How's your sheep? Good, good sheep. Sheep. Surprise! God shows up. Oh, Mary. Okay, I'm, yeah, I like Joseph. He's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, yeah somebody I'll get married to him. Surprise, you're pregnant. <laughs> Whoa. How God is. Isn't that Christmas? Isn't Christmas a surprise? Some of you maybe open your presents Christmas Eve. And, and no greater surprise. I mean, as adults, sometimes you say, okay, I kind of know what we've given each other because we've talked about it and said, let's give each other nothing. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, so you know what you're getting already. Or, or the way we do in our family, okay, what did we do last year that cost money? Okay, that was our present to each other. You know, okay. But for kids, when they open a present, wow, and they're surprised. Christmas, God's gift. To our world, surprise, look what my gift is to you. Born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Surprise, here's forgiveness. Here's my son. Here's peace. A great cost. What a surprise that God had in store for us. Well, how are they going to know this? I'm going to give them a sign. And so the shepherds were told, here's a sign. Now, when you hear the word sign, what do you think of? Supernatural, right? If I'm going to give you a sign, I want something, you know, that's going to be spectacular, that, whoa, this is going to stand out. 
something that is even greater than the angels and the, and the song that they're singing to the shepherds. Now he's going to give us a sign. This isn't good enough sign. This is a pretty good sign. You know, I've never seen this before. I've never seen an angel, the glory of God, and, all, and a heavenly host singing. The blue angels all showed up in force. And, and now they're singing. If that isn't a sign, what is a sign? Okay. I expected at this point, you hear the words, and the moon is going to glow, and you're going to have sort of like the Festival of Lights of Vancouver. And there's going to be fireworks all over the place. And at the end of it all, the stars will all come into alignment and they will spell out the name Jesus. Wouldn't that be a neat sign? Isn't that what we would expect? God, who can do all these things, that's what we'd expect. And so what does he say? I'm going to give you the most wonderful sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, those of you that like the King James, and lying in a manger. There's your sign. Why did God choose to enter the human humanity like this? What were the swaddling clothes, the cloths? What does that mean? What does the manger signify? Why these circumstances and not others? Why does, what does this say to us about the nature of God? You ever thought about that? This sign is, is just not, it's not so big. There's so many other things that God could have done. And so often we miss the message that God has for us because we don't understand the sign that God gave to the world. The shepherds understood it. And the birth of Christ is the message of good news. It's a message of hope. It's the message of the gospel. Let me quickly say three things that stand out why I think this is special as a sign that God gives us. First of all, God comes as fully human. You will find a baby, a newborn child. The miracle of Christ's birth happened earlier at the conception, nine months ago. That's when Mary was a child by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that, that was the miracle that happened. But this birth, other than the interesting circumstances that surrounded it, was a normal labor and delivery. And any of you who have had babies know that it is not not easy. I haven't actually had a baby, but it's what I hear. It's tough. But it, it's normal. And every woman who gives birth to a child will go through similar kinds of experiences with that. If God was not fully man, he would not be able to go on the cross as human and die for us. So he was born as a baby, fully human. And that distinguishes us from all other religions, for our God is fully human and fully God. Second thing about the sign is he came into the world very helpless. The elements were harsh. Uh, mothers wrapped wrap their babies in claws. You know, they wrapped them around to keep them warm. When we brought our daughter Amy home, our first child, it was in summertime. And 
we were in Ontario at the time, right between when I graduated from seminary, stayed at my sister and brother-in-law's in, in Ontario before uh, as we were waiting to see where God would call us into ministry. And I remember the hot, hot day. I think it was somewhere between, oh, 196 to 2,000 degrees. And you know what we did with our baby? Because we said, they told us, you have to keep your baby warm. And I remember we had this baby wrapped up. And they said, you know, it's good to have their, they just came out of the womb, keep their legs together and their arms together. We had this daughter wrapped up, and all you could see was her head. She was wrapped up like a little mummy. And to this day, we talk about it and say, why did we wrap her up like so warm? I mean, it's, you know, it's a thousand degrees out there and the humidity was high. We just did it. I, and again, I have no idea why. But in the early days, they had a reason why, because there weren't medical personnel around to make sure everything was okay with your baby. Uh, the elements, they were, of course, out there and, and it was nighttime and it was cold. And they would wrap this baby up almost like a mummy to, to keep this baby warm so they're not flailing and getting cold and and, and going to die very quickly after birth. And that says something too. Uh, someone has, has said he, he came very helpless, and he came bound. And then they said, and when he left this earth, when he was killed before his death, he was also bound. He was on a cross. He was constricted, and he couldn't move. And he was helpless. He came that way. He was killed that way. We know he didn't stay that way because he rose from the, from the dead. And the third thing is he came in humility, lying in a manger. Could have been a feeding trough for animals. We don't know all of these things. Uh, could have been a hollowed out cave on the side of a hill. Uh, that's some people feel that probably is the best way where they kept animals. You don't have to build a shelter. Just dig a hole into the side of the hill and then put a gate in front of it. And we know, of course, that... Uh, when Jesus' body was taken down from the cross, he was probably put into a, a cave in the side of a hill with a, roll, a rock that was put in front of him. So he came in poverty, in humility, and he left the same way. I think that's what Philippians 2.7 means when it says, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Isn't that a surprise? Would you have done it that way? Would you have figured it out? God came to me and said, Bob, I'm going to give my only son. Got any ideas? I would have never come up with this one. Not in, not in a thousand years. He said, Bob, what I'm going to do, I'm going to send some angels to those shepherds and I'm going to scare the daylights out of them. I'm going to talk about the Savior. I'm going to give them a sign. Common sign. And I'm going to blow them away with the most magnificent song and sounds that earth has ever heard. That part I like. And then suddenly, all of this happened. And they sang glory to God in the highest. And if you have never made that decision, allow Jesus to come into your life in a personal way, you will never know the peace on earth or the goodwill that God has for mankind. Not a very likely beginning to a movement that changed 
the world. If the world had needed education, God would have sent a teacher. If the world needed an army, God would have sent a general. If the world needed more money, God would have sent a banker. But since the world needed a savior, God sent a baby. And that is the surprise and the wonder and ultimately the delight of Christmas. God did what we would never have done, and in so doing, he opened the door to heaven for all of us. So I want to close with some words that a great man of God, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, from London in the last century. Uh, some of the things that he said as he preached on this service at one Christmas. He says, The scene at Bethlehem is one of utter simplicity. A mother, a father, and a baby. Thus the word made flesh to dwell among us. What God does is both simple and clear, and the message to us is also simple and clear. Those who come in simple faith to the Lord Jesus Christ find great peace. Virgin then urged his hearers to come to faith in this babe of Bethlehem who would one day die for their sins, the sins of the world. He said little children should come, for he once was a little child himself. Young women should come, for Mary was a young woman who was God's instrument for bringing Christ into the world. Young men should come, for Joseph was a young man who had great faith in God, Old women should come, for Anna was an old woman who looked for the coming of the Lord. Old men should come, for aged Simeon waited for the consolation of Israel. The working men and women should come to Christ, because the shepherds represent all those who work with their hands for a living. And they too came to Bethlehem. And finally, the highly educated of the world should come, for the wise men came bringing gifts. And they too bowed and worshipped the king. And he closed his message by saying, For my own part, the incarnate God is all my hope and trust. I come back to preach by God's help the gospel, the simple gospel of the Son of God, Jesus, Master. I take you to be mine forever. May all in this house be led to do the same. And may they all be yours, great Son of God, in the day of your appearing for your love's sake. Amen. This is the message the angels brought. This is the message of our Lord. This is the message that brings hope and peace and wholeness to a very troubled, fractured world. And I praise God that he made the plan and I didn't because I would have sure messed it up. Merry Christmas. And let us bring home this understanding. The glory of God shone around them. And peace came because of Jesus, God's only Son. Amen.